just this week, uh, and actually this was a little bit early compared to last year, but uh, just this week we finally got the new um, rate schedules for primary care um, and what the government will reimburse us for our services. And um, we anticipated and expected something like this, but I was really hoping for a reprieve. I called every every person I could in Congress that I knew and said, hey, can you not help us with this? But we, we received a 5% rate cut. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and we are here with the disruptor, Scott Middleton. Scott, how you doing? Well, um, I don't know. It's been, it's been an interesting week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. <laughs> so I've been disrupted this week. It's ah. been, and now I've got to figure out how we disrupt our organization in response to that disruption. Yeah. Wow. It figures yeah. the last week of the year, the big disruption comes. <laughs> well, it, 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 just this week, uh, and actually this was a little bit early compared to last year, but uh, just this week we finally got the new um, – rate schedules for primary care um, mm-hmm. and what the government will reimburse us for our services. And um, we anticipated and expected something like this, but I was really hoping for a reprieve. I called every every person I could in Congress that I knew and said, hey, can you not help us with this? But we, we received a 5% rate cut for, wow. the, for the coming year. Um, so uh, it, it's it's very detrimental considering the fact that uh, we just got uh, inflation numbers and the inflation rate for this past year for the last 12 months is 9.7%. Yeah. So that means that all of our costs have gone up nearly 10%, you know, which is, you know, utilities and gas and all the stuff that cars, you know, trying to even get cars has just been almost impossible. And so our, our expenses are going up. Um, our providers are expecting and our staff expecting to make more money, right? Because sure. they are that inflation. And yet Medicare comes back and says, nope, you know, we're going to cut your rates. So I've gone back through the final rule, which is about a 900 page document that Medicare puts out every single year, started looking at what's the rhyme and reason. And we've been talking about some of that on our calls. Yeah. Um, but basically where, where they're coming from is that they don't think our providers are as productive as they should be. Mm. And so the number one thing that they're telling us is that providers have to be more productive. And you've got to look at the utilization of your time and how it relates to the quality and care of the patients. Gotcha. Uh, the main thing, what they're still pushing for us to do is look uh, to prevent uh, avoidable hospitalizations. Right. And so what they're saying is that you can do that by seeing a patient shorter period of time and more often. And so that's really where they're in the rate structure that they're trying to push us is that don't do these long drawn out visits, you know, to do multiple shorter visits and you're going to get paid more. Mm. But the other interesting thing is, you know, they pay us the same amount of money if we do a telemedicine visit visit with video. Yeah. If you do audio only, then you're not going to get paid as much, but with video. And we bill that at the same rate that we would if they were in the home or in the office. Right. And they left that alone. We all kept thinking, oh, they're going to have to cut that. 
So, so what CMS is telling us is that the fact that they will pay us the same amount for a telemedicine visit as mm-hmm. long as we do the intensity of that visit as they would if it were in the home or the clinic or the assisted living or what. Sure. So what they're telling us is that think about the productivity of healthcare, meaning that I don't have to get in my car and drive to see the patient. Sure. Or I don't have to pay rent on an expensive building because I can do those visits, um, you know, from the my living room or my Absolutely. bedroom. So, so the the good thing, good news is, is what it's telling me. Then what CMS is telling us is that we want to then do everything we can to, to be able to do a proper visit through telemedicine versus in person if it's possible. Yeah. And so, right, so I pulled our our numbers. You know, we have um, we do about in our practice we do about thirty percent of all the visits. Um, our, our visits are done telemedicine, but the majority of those visits are being done by the by the specialty clinic. Mm. And so, of course, that's the pharmacist and the specialist that are out there because they're saying it, if you can utilize the telemedicine and it works, we're going to compensate you for it. So while, again, we do about 30 percent of our visits total for the practice as telemedicine, the majority of those 30% are being done by our specialty clinics that we created last year in right. response to the rate cut we got, you know, because we knew we were moving into a value-based payment of, of where if we keep people out of the hospital, we can receive additional payments. So we knew we had to work on, on utilizing um, a, a higher uh, knowledge person about specific diseases so so our goal right now i think right now we're doing maybe 10 to 12 percent of our regular visits in telemedicine Mm -hmm. and i think the goal for that because we are home-based uh model of care the the goal for us is going to be about 30 percent yeah how do we start converting more of those visits there right yeah And, and if especially if you get the same payment for it Exactly. And I I think that's what Medicare is saying to us. We're giving you the same payment because what what we do know, too, is that as an example right now, now these are pre-rate cuts, but the average average bill that we bill to to Medicare, we don't get paid but about 65% of this, okay? Mm -hmm. But we bill $333 for a visit in the home. That home visit means provider had to get in her car, drive to the home, see the patient. Generally, they're not able to document in the home a lot because they don't either have a Wi-Fi connection or the patient's talking. Lots of things are going on. They may be there anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour and 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then go drive back to their next patient. And so and that's a two-hour timeline. Yeah to get paid $333. Well, they can do a telemedicine sitting in their home where they didn't have to drive. They call and talk to this patient, spend the 30 minutes with the patient on the phone, do everything they normally would have done. And so in 30 minutes, generally they'll get reimbursed on average about $225. Yeah. So, so what makes sense, you know, that I can bill $450 an hour or I can bill $150 an hour because that's, Hour. So it just makes sense that that's the model we're going to have to move to, and Medicare is telling us that that's the model they want. Yeah, I find it interesting. A year and a half, two years ago, 
they said, we're not going to reimburse you for telehealth at all. And now it's become the norm. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're, and, and so if it, the bad part is if, if we have patients who aren't on board with that, um, yeah. then, um, you know, it, they can be dangerous to us because we don't see them. They get it. Um, and then eventually we're going to get um, penalized for sure. those patients. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, that's going to make it very, very interesting. And that's where the infrastructure thing, you know, Wi-Fi and, and different things like that, that are really necessary for, for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so the exciting thing about you know the, the 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 real issue then is we have we have about a ten percent shift between income and revenue that mm-hmm. is going that is hitting us between inflation and these rate cuts, and so we'll have to make some tough decisions sure. you know this week about what we're going to do and how we're going to do that, um, and and it's going to be hard on everybody. But uh, but I hope folks understand that it has nothing to do with any individuals in our organization. Yeah. You know, um, it, it in terms of that, but we just got to fix that, and it's a Medicare um, kind of thing to do. But the exciting thing about it is that here's where the tw- the the plot kind of twist. So we are signing today our first um, what we call value-based incentive program. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that program does, it's, it's with Blue Choice. And what Blue Choice is going to do is they will, they will pay us uh, $4.50 a month per, per, per patient that we have on Blue Choice in order to, quote, manage their care. Well, now that's not a lot of money, right? Right, Yeah. <laughs> We have, we have 1,300 patients, so actually that's going to give us, I think we figured out, well, it's just, it's about $90,000 a year, yeah. you know? So so it's not a lot of money, but it's enough to, to at least compensate some of the back support staff that we're going to need to really take care of these patients. Um, and, and what they've said is that that 450 can go up based on the risk assessments of the patients. Yeah. So right now, um, it, it, and it can go as high as sixteen dollars per patient per month. So mm-hmm. I mean, we can triple that from ninety thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand, yeah. which would help and allow some compensation to the staff that are in support. But we have to show that these patients what their real risk score is, sure. and we're just not doing that. You know, just this week I, we were talking about the number of times our providers. Uh, will diagnose something and they call it unspecified. Mm. And every time they say the word unspecified, Medicare says that means zero. We're not giving you any points for that person. We're not saying that person has any, we're, we're not going to count that as the diagnosis or that that's an issue. Yeah. And so if, if you said they have congestive heart failure unspecified, then, then that person has a heart attack and goes to the hospital. They're looking at you as a primary care provider and say, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> why, right. why did your patient go to the hospital? Yeah. And can that be taken out of the system? You know, can, can you remove the unspecified? Oh yeah. All, all you have to do is have somebody dig through, ask enough questions and figure out specifically what that congestive heart failure means. Right. So, so what we're going to do to to fix this, which I think causes it helps us across the board, because Medicare's and our payers are also the one thing that you know I shared a couple of weeks ago. Humana told us was, 
they want us, they said, you don't see your patients often enough. They literally look at the times we've seen these patients and we're not seeing them enough. Mm -hmm. So, and yet we have providers sometimes that go, I just feel like I'm seeing these patients way too much. Well, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Um, with the population. It's, it's, they're very sick at the end of the day. So we created, um, in anticipation of this, several months ago, we started working toward this, and we've created what we're now calling our payer teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we started out by putting a nurse, a, um, a case management person that really helps the, the scheduling and coordination of all the stuff for the patient, and we put a medical assistant on a team, and we said, we want you to start going through charts based on their payers. So we've had a team working on our Blue Choice patients for a while looking at things to make sure our risks are are set up. But the problem is they will come up and find all this stuff and the providers may or may not do anything with it, even though it's very well documented. So we're now going to add nurse practitioners and pharmacists to these payer teams. Mm. So what will happen now is the nurse and medical assistants find these issues with the patient, they're going to schedule them And every one of our patients is going to have a payer team provider and a payer team pharmacist. Wow. In addition to their provider in the clinic or their provider in the home or provider in the assisted living. Yeah. And so their their goal is, uh, for for example, with Blue Choice, their goal, they have 1,400 patients that they need to see in the next 90 days to make sure that those patients are properly assessed and they are they they their risk is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So they will see those patients. The pharmacy will the pharmacist will look at them because you know you know the 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 number one reason for somebody to go to the hospital right now in the country and has been for the last ten years is congestive heart failure. Right. The majority of that congestive heart failure is a they those hospitalizations could have been avoided mm-hmm. with people properly taking their medications sure the lasix the you know those kind of things right so constant monitoring and reminding and the pharmacist going back and explaining to people why they're taking these medicines we've are we've proven that we can keep people more to their medication adherent to their their medication regimens right so so what these these guys will do, we'll put three pharmacists and three providers right now on this team of 1,400 patients. Mm. And they're going to go through and they're going to basically fix the charts, make sure the diagnostics are correct that are in there. They're going to have visits with telemedicine visits with the patients. Mm-hmm. And we will give all the patients a special number that they can call in whenever they're having issues, if they think something's wrong with their meds or they think they're going to, they may need to go to the hospital, whatever emergency, they will be able to call. Right. And simply that telephone number, they'll be asked to leave a message just to say, give us your name and your telephone number. And that's going to be set up in a task group with somebody looking at that 24 hours a day. So immediately somebody's going to be able to say, wait a minute, she just left a message here. I'm going to pull up her chart find her provider and then she's going to get a call back in a few minutes from one of her providers. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Um, and if you can head that off, that's going to save a lot of money and make a lot of money. Yeah. Now now we're going to get some resistance. I can tell you right now, some of our providers that are listening to this are going to go, Oh no, they need to call me. They don't need to call this, 
800 number, well, you're not always available. Right. You know, the problem. Sure. And, and I can't run the risk of her not reaching your cell phone number or, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've got a crisis of your own in your life. We've got to make sure that somebody's monitoring and looking at that. Absolutely. And capturing that information. Now, if the provider who's been seeing this patient for a long time doesn't like something that this pharmacist or this other um, payer uh, provider is doing, then they can get on the phone with them. You know, yeah. I always love to hear providers fight over what they think they need to do to a patient. Yeah. Right. I love to hear that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see how that works. And at the end of the day, you got to do it, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, you do. And and pharmacy is is it, like I said on the call, I think, with you last week is that I still believe that. At, at the end of the day, we probably should see our pharmacist more often than mm-hmm. we can see our, our providers yeah. um, and really getting the information we need from those pharmacists right. about why, why, why am I taking this and what is it doing to me? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do you see the, the technology helping with this is this as well, Scott, with, you know, the living machine, you know, with the pill dispensing, um, do you see that going up? Um, I don't think we're utilizing it very well, but yes, if, if we can get people adherent, that's why, you know, truthfully, people do better in assisted living uh, facilities than they do at home is mm-hmm. because making sure in those assisted livings that they're getting their medication. Sure. So you'll, you'll see, actually, we, we see, this is what's interesting. We have less hospitalizations in our assisted living patient population right now. Yeah. Then we do our number one hospitalization rate is with our cl- our clinic patients. Mm. So we have less less homebound patients going to the hospital, a far less assisted living. But in assisted living, we we see those people a lot. Yeah. And so I know Medicare is correct when they keep saying see these patients. We'll see some of those patients four times a month, maybe mm-hmm. six if sick in assisted living because it's easy, it's convenient. You yeah. know, we just go. They're already there, right. um, but many patients are getting seen maybe once a month. Yeah, and, and that's causing a negative ramification with hospitalizations. So, with these payer teams, well, our hope is that now those clinic clinic patients are going to get seen more often. Mm-hmm. They'll be seen by their provider in the clinic, maybe their once a month routine, and they may get seen a couple of times a month with a telemedicine provider um, that's part of their payer team. Sure. Yeah. Do you see, do you see us being able to train our patients? Cause I see a lot of patients that I could see them saying, well, I don't want to see a provider that much. I don't want to see them, you know, every week or once a month or, or whatever the, the, you know, how do we train our patients to, to understand this? So, so I think a lot of why people don't want to talk to their provider. I don't, I don't see that many people who don't accept those folks who are who have high co-pays or deductible. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the blue choice plan, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. It's very low co-pays yeah. and deductibles. It, right. It's not zero. So then those patients at least aren't worried about money. Mm-hmm. And so I, when you take the patients out that are worried about money and you take that out of the mix, I think there's very few people who would welcome that opportunity. Sure. To talk with their their provider or their pharmacist, and and if they didn't have to worry about it, and that's where healthcare has to move mm-hmm. in, in our country is because when we make it too much about money, 
then people will be resistant to get the care that they need. Yeah, which will um, and, come back to money. <laughs> exactly. High bills, you know, uh, huge hospital bills and, and everything. So, yeah, I, that's that makes total sense. Yeah, but but in the younger population, it's a little bit different, and mm-hmm. so that's where that's where employers don't make any sense. Even with us, we have a high deductible. You mm-hmm. got to pay. Twenty five, thirty, three thousand dollars a month or uh, a year out of your own pocket because we want you to think clearly before you just go running to the to the doctor all the time. Sure. Um, but but we pay for that annual physical, and so probably what we'll 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 start to do is to is to say, hey, we're going to carve some of this stuff out. Like the annual physical is currently carved out, but maybe maybe we carve out based on your risk score. Yeah. You know, a certain number of visits to your primary care provider every year so that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and and make sure you're taking your blood pressure medicine or your insulin or whatever it is that yeah. you have to take. Yeah. Is yeah. there is there a way to incentivize patients? Yeah. Well, it, well, and I think for us, the way the way we can incentivize our patients, um, it, you know, is using our. Um, our own physicians, mm-hmm. you know, because at least we're kind of paying ourselves, um, you know, when that happens. Um, but I, but I think, uh, yeah, to get those patients on boarded, you know, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago as well, is that we've got to get every patient ready to do telemedicine, mm-hmm. and they have to feel comfortable with it. You know, yeah. I've never done a telemedicine visit myself. Right, isn't that interesting? Yeah, um, but a doctor's across the street, so it's easier. Just exactly, yeah. And and I have I've done I've done a telehealth visit. You know, it was video, and it was way better than going into an office. It was way better than it just makes sense. Uh, there was nothing that you know for my visit. There was nothing that we couldn't do over that video chat. Um, it was a follow up visit from a surgery. It was it just. It would have been a headache. It would have I would have had to have drove thirty minutes there, thirty minutes back, spent probably an hour there, you know, which a couple hours to somebody, that's that's a lot of time. Exactly. Yeah. And and so uh, but but I also it's very difficult for some of our older patients to really be able to do this, you yeah. know, to be able to feel like they're chatting. And so that's where we need uh to enlist family, friends and mm-hmm church groups, you know, that assist us in, in making these visits happen because the, what, you know, there's too many things that could go wrong, you know? So, so I got a patient with congestive heart failure. I haven't seen her in, you know, three or four or five weeks or maybe three months, you know, and, yeah. and all of a sudden they're starting to have problems, but it's like, ah, well, this is going to be such a pain. I got to put mama, she's in a wheelchair. I got to get somebody to help me to take her to the doctor. And we go in and out, in and out. We avoid that visit yeah and then that's when the crisis happens yeah. you know the the reason i was so upset with the fact that we had so many patients i mean we we've had a lot of patients canceling their appointments or not scheduling appointments during the holidays mm-hmm. you know I, I just can't do i can't do the visit i got company coming in i'm just not going to worry about that and i will tell you that the next probably 30 days we'll see more hospitalizations mm-hmm. Out, out the wazoo because we weren't able to see our patients. Not that yeah. we weren't working. You know, right. we had providers that were working that day and had two patients to see. Mm-hmm. And they were working an eight or 12 hour day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 
mentality of the patient. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is where I see remote patient monitoring being a huge thing. I know my mom, um, was struggling with congestive heart failure. She went into the hospital. She spent five or six days in the hospital. Um, and now they have her on a remote type of remote patient monitoring and it's been beautiful. You know, they've, they've caught a couple times where she's gained weight overnight. They changed the medication. She got a call from her pharmacist. They, they took care of it and she hasn't been to the hospital since. So if we could get more of those things in people's homes, I think that, you know, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. That, that's a, that's a great story. Yeah. Because otherwise she would have waited two or three days Mm -hmm. then realized she was swollen and then she would have called. They would have said, Hey, we don't have an appointment available till next Thursday at three o'clock. You know, if it's really bad to go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Guaranteed. She's admitted to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, you know, a hundred thousand dollars later, that's, you know, there, there you go. Yeah. Avoidable risk. Right. Uh, Yeah which is what we've got to look at. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you see, you know, all of this taking place? You know, I mean, in a couple of days, we're going to be in the new year. You know, we got Saturday is 2022. Um, do you see anything else on the horizon that's going to change? You know, um, I think for, um, for us, the, the change is going to kind of come slow because one of the things that when you start looking at how, you get paid like we'll eventually get quarterly bonuses based on cost savings mm-hmm. um but 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 one is is again for our providers that are listening to this we have to we have to adjust those risks because that's how they determine what the cost is so yeah you know if, if you're supposedly a low risk and then you go to the hospital then we're paying money back sure. you know for that patient. but if they were already diagnosed at a high risk and they go to the hospital, we may break even, we may not have to pay money back, um, but because there's more money in the, the pot there. So I think just making sure all of those are, are appropriate, and I think we're going to get more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, Medicare, Medicare's goal is by 2030 that every, um, every patient and every provider is enrolled in a cost savings or sharing program sure. yeah. um, out there. <clears throat> and, and then I was reading an article this morning where I, I think we don't, you know, only 9% of all of the Medicare expenditures are paid to primary care. Mm. And that number has actually gone down over the yeah. last two years and probably inflated because of COVID. 9%. Wow. 9, 9% of all spending is, no, 14% of all spending is for pharmacy. Hmm. Medication. So we in this country spend more money on the drugs that we get at the pharmacy than we do on primary care. And and that's what doesn't make sense about this rate cut of all places. Yeah. Because every article, Medicare will admit that the more money, there's a direct correlation, the more money you spend on primary care decreases the total expenditures for those patients. There's a direct correlation. Mm. Yeah. So again, the more times you see the patient, the correlation is going to be a drop. When you when we realized, I think that was eye opening for me, is that I'm only nine percent of of the of the cost of these patients. Well, where's the rest of it going? I mean, pharmacy's fourteen, so now we're at twenty five. Seventy five percent of all of our spending mm. is going to 
hospitals and specialists. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's what we have to, that's what we have to cut out all these avoidable hospitalizations and these, these avoidable specialty visits. Sure. Yeah. Just because you have congestive heart failure, you may or may not need, you mean you need a cardiologist. Sure. You know, maybe you just need to have a really good primary care doc who understands cardiology and the medications surrounding it. Yeah. And then a so, good pharmacist that's going to get you on the correct medications. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Scott, this is very eye-opening. Yeah, very eye-opening. Um, we got one more day, pretty much. One more day yeah. in 2021. Um, yeah, and it's how are you spending your new year? Uh, uh, well, you know, I also own four restaurants, so um, <laughs> all over the place. That's one of the biggest days of the of the year for us. We've had a lot of issues with COVID. Uh, this week and a lot of people out. And so, um, you know, the, the rules changed with, with COVID so, so much this, because this variant is so different right? and and people are still trying to pull the same thing of, well, I need to quarantine. We had one of our providers telling people to quarantine for 10 days Mm. um, because they were around somebody who had COVID. Well, that's not the case anymore. You know, especially if you're vaccinated, you don't you don't stay away from people just because you were around somebody. I guarantee you, every one of us was around somebody with COVID sure. this week. So, um, so that's what people don't understand. The rule for what happened a year ago, or six months ago, or even thirty days ago is all different mm-hmm. because of the knowledge we have about the disease process. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really been kind of hard this week in our restaurant business, just educating folks. So if you, you know, if you have if you have signs and symptoms, you you're not contagious after five days. If you're feeling better, then go back to work or go back to society. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Well, Scott, happy new year and, uh, new year to you. Thank you much. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. 2022. (laughs) Sure. will. all All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You too. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at the disruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Staub, and coming soon, the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.